The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine. Back in the USSR, welcome to the White Album, folks. You excited, Andrew? I'm excited, yeah. This is, has a lot of great songs, uh, has a lot of songs, so we're going to be here in this world for a while. Quantity and quality. Yes. Um, and, and before we begin, disclaimer, we know it's not actually titled The White Album, it's titled The Beatles, but everyone calls it The White Album. You'd be confused if we just refer to it uh, as The Beatles, so we're just going to say The White Album, but we know, okay? We know. So no. No letters, please. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Do not send fan... Well, no, you, you can send fan mail. Uh, we won't autograph them. We've, uh, yes, but. we will not respond. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs> uh, it's just, well, it's just like, uh, I mean, uh, just to, to, with Weezer, you call it... You don't just call it Weezer. You call it the Blue Album. Right. But uh, they seem more forthcoming with that. And they, they, they have a green album and... You know, they, they had a red album, I think. I thought they, they only had two albums. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I thought they only had, I thought it was the Blue Album and then Make Believe. <laughs> there's Pinkerton. There's what? the Green Album. There's a, there's a Pink Album? Maladroit. <laughs> which is my favorite. Not that anyone cares. Mal- Maladroit's your favorite? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep fishing if you feel it's true. I once, I once wrote a two-word review for my college radio station on a re, on a Weezer album uh, for Ratitude, <laughs> and the two-word review was career suicide. Ooh, and I was not wrong. They're still around. They still yeah, have their fans. Not, sure. Have they made good music since then? No. Okay. <laughs> As I well, said, I mean, they, two they, they, they said Pinkerton was career suicide at the time. And, uh, they did. That's true. But uh, time has not has vindicated me. I was right. I just love well, hearing that. No. Uh. Okay, you were right for once. Okay, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Poor, poor Rivers. So, back in the USSR. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know uh, how lucky we are to move mm-hmm. on, boys. The Beatles and Paul in particular are, are I think, are really leaning into their back-to-rock-and-roll-roots thing, you know, because it's 1968, and now that's the cool thing to do. Um, this song is catchy. It is everything you want in a rocka. I really like the last verse when the lead guitar goes kind of crazy. It's fun to hear the Beatles doing the Beach Boys, but that's kind of the problem for me, you know, like the Chuck Berry and Beach Boys parroting and singing from the commies' point of view makes it all one big wink. You know, can, can, I, can I enjoy this genuinely if the song isn't genuine? I ask sure. You. Yeah, I think you can enjoy it genuinely, even if it wasn't intended to be so. I mean... I do for one, and I know it's not genuine. I've always loved this song. I mean, it's a bit silly. 
Uh, I've always loved how it's indebted to the Beach Boys. That's fun. Uh, and also kind of taking the piss out of them a little bit, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also one of my earliest Beatles memories is the song uh, with one of its more famous covers. Yeah, I mean, if you're Mike Love or Brian Wilson and you hear this song, it's like, are they making fun of us? <laughs> you know, that's Ooh. like the Beatles, whatever they're an homage it's like you're in the back of your head you're like maybe they're making fun of us maybe this isn't genuine yes uh, yeah they could be they could be bastards like that cheeky oh, bastards sure. yes yeah so this was the opening track on the white album uh the song was intended by paul to be a parody of chuck berry's 1959 hit uh back in the usa Paul said it's tongue-in-cheek. This is a traveling Ruski who has just flown in from Miami Beach. He's come the other way. He can't wait to get back to the Georgian mountains. Georgia's always on my mind. There's all sorts of little jokes in it. Mm -hmm. I remember trying to sing it in my Jerry Lee Lewis voice to get my mindset on a particular feeling. And we added Beach Boys-style harmonies. Um, It was written in... Rishikesh, India, while the Beatles were meditating with the Maharishi. Another member of the party was Mike Love of the Beach Boys. And, and I'm sorry, like, that would kill any meditation for me, like, right there. Mm-hmm. Hanging Mike. out with Mike Love? <laughs> Jesus. Was he wearing a hat <laughs> then, too? Probably. I always picture him in a hat. Always. A MAGA hat? I don't know. Um, so this well, is Mike, Mike Love talking. I was sitting at the breakfast table when McCartney came down with his acoustic guitar and he was playing back in the USSR. And I told him that what you want to do is talk about the girls all around Russia, the Ukraine, and Georgia. He was plenty creative not to need any lyrical help from me, but I gave him the idea for that little section. I think it was lighthearted and humorous of them to do a take on the Beach Boys. A.K.A. I didn't really like it, but... I mean, I helped create... The thing mocking me. (laughs) What is wrong with me? (laughs) Two other influences found their way into the song. Hoagie Carmichael's Georgia on My Mind. And the pro-industry I'm Backing Britain campaign, led by British Prime Minister Harold Wilson. Uh, uh, Mr. Wilson. According to Ian McDonald, the song's original title was I'm Backing the UK, then I'm Backing the USSR. In a November 1968 interview for Radio Luxembourg, McCarty said the song was inspired by Barry's back in the USA and was written from the point of view of a Russian spy returning home to the USSR after an extended mission in the United States. Okay, so it presaged the show The Americans. Yes, okay. there you go. Yeah, I like the song better if it's about a spy, I think. Sure. The song, of course, caused an anti-Beatles conservative backlash in America, led by the John Birch Society, which charged the group with encouraging communism. The song did become a favorite of Russian fans of the Beatles, who heard it through tapes smuggled into the country. I mean, they famously were, you know, smuggling in flexi-discs on uh, x-rays. Mm-hmm. Unusually, the drums on Back in the USSR were recorded mainly by Paul with Mm -hmm. contributions from John and George Harrison after Ringo temporarily walked out of the group. According to Barry Miles, Starr left when McCarty criticized him for messing up a Tom Tom Phil. 
With the atmosphere in the studio already off intense, the altercation was enough for the normally amenable star to reach his limit. He left London and spent a fortnight on Peter Sellers' yacht in the Mediterranean. Ringo said, I left because I felt two things. I felt I wasn't playing great, and I also felt that the other three were really happy, and I was an outsider. Well, Ringo, they weren't happy. No. I, went to, I went to see John, who had been living in my apartment in Montague Square with Yoko since he moved out of Kenwood. I said, I'm leaving the group because I'm not playing well, and I feel unloved and out of it, and you three are really close. And John said, I thought it was you three. So then I went over to Paul's and knocked on his door. I said the same thing. I'm leaving the band. I feel you three guys are really close and I'm out of it. And Paul said, I thought it was you three. I didn't even bother going to George then. I said, I'm going on holiday. I took the kids and we went to Sardinia. Now, why did he pick Sardinia? I don't know. That's not Maybe the that- first place I think of when I'm trying to run away from my troubles. But Maybe that's just right. where the yacht was. Maybe that's where the, he, you go where Pierre Sellers' yacht is. That's true. Um, or do, or hey, he was looking for an octopus's garden, perhaps. Ah. Spoiler. The recording of the song was completed in just two days. On the first takes, McCarty played guitar and Harrison was on the snare drum. On later takes, McCarty switched to piano and Lennon strummed chords on a bass guitar. They taped five tracks, the last of which was the best. Ah. The, the next day, they added two more drum, bass, and lead guitar tracks, a piano part, lead vocals from Paul, and backing vocals from John and George. All three Beatles contributed hand claps. All three Beatles. Because <laughs> there's three of them. Only three it. now, yes. Yep, the big three, the fab three. Uh, back in the USSR, was mixed in mono on the same day, during which they added the sound of a Viscount aeroplane taking off and landing. The stereo mix was made on October 13, 1968. The effects had been recorded at London Airport and came from the tape Volume 17, Jet and Piston Engine Aeroplane from Abbey Road's collection. That's my favorite volume. Hmm. More of volume, uh, 20 guy. I don't know. Oh, you're, tr- you're big into the, the cookware. Yeah, like, uh, oh, look, I'm making mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in 2010, Rolling Stone ranked back at the USSR at number 85 on the magazine's list of the 100 Greatest Beatles songs. In a similar list compiled by Mojo in 2006, it appeared at number 64. In his commentary for the magazine, Billy Bragg said that 1968 was when our love affair with all things American began to turn sour. Mm-hmm. With the year marked by reports of U.S. atrocities in Vietnam, the assassinations of Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy, the gesture of African-American athletes introducing black power politics at the Mexico Olympic Games, and Richard Nixon's victory in the U.S. presidential race. Bragg added, by opening the White Album with this wonderful inversion of Chuck Berry's Back in the USA, the Beatles made clear whose side they were on. Subversive or just mischievous? You decide. That's a good point by Mr. Billy Bragg. Yeah, absolutely. Ian McDonald, though, described the song as a rather tactless jest, given that the Soviet army had recently invaded what was then called Czechoslovakia and thwarted that country's attempt to introduce democratic reforms. Hmm. Some some members of the New Left also criticized the Beatles for this gesture. During the 1960s, the Beatles were officially derided in the Soviet Union as the belch of Western culture. (laughs) 
David Nobel, a long-standing critic of the Beatles' influence on Western youth, said that the lyrics have left even the Reds speechless. In the 1980s, McCartney was refused permission to perform in the USSR. McCartney said that probably my, my single most important reason for going to Russia would be the play back in the USSR. According to the Moscow Times, when McCartney finally got to play the song on his Back in the World tour at Moscow's Red Square in May 2003, the crowd went wild. When asked about the song before the concert, McCartney said he had known little about the Soviet Union when he wrote it, and added, it was a mystical land then. It's nice to see the reality. I always suspected that people had big hearts. Now I know that's true. In his autobiography, Good Vibrations, Mike Love writes, Back in the USSR was a hell of a song, and it's lasted longer than the country. Zing. Poor Marky Wahlberg, uh, he can't call his his, uh, biography Good Vibrations. You know. I don't know if I get that joke. A Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, they had uh, the song Good Vibrations, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. You didn't know something about music? Yes. Right. I taught you something today. I, I, learned, I learned things every episode. <laughs> Great. I hope our audience is uh, the same. Yeah. In 1987, Billy Joel covered a song on his Live in the Soviet Union album, Concert. K-O-N-T-S-E-R-T. Very clever. Also released as a single, his version reached number 33 in Australia, number 44 in New Zealand. McCarty said in 1997 that Billy Joel's adoption of the song for his Russian concert tours had contributed to the jokey song standing as a bit of an anthem now. I, when I was referring to the cover, it was this because I grew up uh, in a big Billy Joel household and uh, we had this album and I, we had taped the documentary of this like on off of HBO or something. And I remember watching it as a young kid. They used to show it or still show it on MSG. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Like, oh, because because he's the he's the concert franchise of of the Garden. Yeah, and like they have nothing to put on, you know, when the during the summer. <laughs> on yeah, Nixer Rangers. Yeah, it's like it's either horse racing or uh, I guess Billy Joel. Honestly, they should just like like live broadcast every Billy Joel concert at the Garden at this might, point. Might as well. They would probably still sell out. It would still sell out, and you'd actually get you know something there i don't know get on it msg seriously come on dolan do something right for once okay fine you can you can have the straight shot open and we'll air that too you welcome back mr oakley on the 4th of july 1984 the beach boys played back in the ussr (laughs) with ringo star joining them as a special guest during their 4th of july concerts in washington dc and miami in Love's recollection, the irony of an Englishman being part of the celebrations for America's independence from Britain was not lost on Ringo. Starr told a reporter, Happy birthday, America. Sorry we lost. Uh, that reminds me of, I saw Herman's Hermits play at my town's 4th of July fireworks. Hmm. And, which was great. Uh, but they had a huge Union Jack that said, Peter Noon's Herman's Hermits. <laughs> As the backdrop, which I thought was really funny. And I, my appreciation for them grew. 
He he sounds like this. He has a show on Sirius XM's sixties channel called Something Good. Of course. Uh, yes. And I realized his last name is spelled N O O N E, but it's pronounced noon. Yes. Oh, you thought That's it was right. Peter No One? Well Yeah. Peter Noah Habits Habits. Uh, that's something Do you think good. Mrs. Brown's daughter is now uh, Mrs. N- no One? No One Man. No One Woman. Love Counts Zero. Even though the Ukraine girls really knocked him out. Woo! Josie Scale. I don't hate the song or anything, but I'm going to give this to Josie. I think I'd rather kick it with the outfield on this one. All right. That's fair. I think I'm gonna. I've. I think for nostalgic reasons, I'm gonna give this one a yeah. I see your point, but uh, this is one of the earliest Beatles songs uh, I remember, and uh, I get some uh, good, good, good feelings from this one. So, give it a yeah. You got good vibrations. God damn it, Mike Love, stay out of this. <laughs> The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.